At the center of the universe, at the border between the light and the dark, stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. And welcome to episode 41 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Etheria, Nordor, Primus, Golden Books, Ladybird, UK Annuals, Mini-Comics, Comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo down in the corner. I'm Matthew Duch. I'm here with Sean Skavarna. Sean, how you doing today? Can't complain, I'm just waiting for the kids to use a battering ram to come into the room while I'm recording. But hey, other than that, right. <laughs> no complaints. <laughs> Once again, we are recording during the day, which is awesome. And uh, upstairs in our rooms, sequestered away from the family. Family, yes. <laughs> and that that is once again due to our wonderful special guest host, uh, the first guy who ever commented after our first episode of Legends of Grayskull. Our two-time Legends of Grayskull no prize winner, uh, lore expert, two thousand X expert, uh, the the voice of Captain Miro in two thousand X. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again we are joined by Yuka. Yuka, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. It's um, past ten p.m. here, so. At least you guys are very peppy. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the downside. We're recording during the day so that you can record, like, er, well, night. At night. <laughs> yeah. oh. But we do appreciate it's you. Have, having those moments where you'd need, need to wake up at 5 a.m. just to be part of some podcast. Oh, God, yes, that would... That would be interesting. All right. So first off, we do have an update on the PowerCon book bundle that includes uh, the toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and the Character Guide and World Compendium Supplement Volume 1. That is currently sitting at 40% sold. So guys, this is going fast. We're we're right at a week right now. um, And we're already at 40%. So... This is the only way you're going to get that supplement. So I don't know why you're all still sitting there. Turn off the show. Run to the PowerCon website. That's right. Run, don't walk, and go get your copy. Uh, Yuka, you actually did some work on this, correct? 
I'm not sure what Daniel told you guys in the earlier episode. Everything is a lie. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, just like the first um, character guide and world compendium in 2017, where I also wrote on that, I got asked to be part in the supplemental which I am trying to remind people it is a completely different book. Yeah. It is an additional with more information that um, we maybe just couldn't get in the first edition or even things that have been published since. Well, the DC Comics and there are those... Uh, classics bios coming every darn week and mm -hmm. so there's plenty of material that can be added and um, I think it was um, around 170 pages I don't have my notes yeah, here with one, me 172 if I'm recalling correctly okay yeah so it's a smaller book in that uh, contrast, but it's still the size is the same that the majority of the Dark Horse books have been from the art of He-Man to the cartoon guide and the character guide and now the toys of He-Man and this supplemental volume one. Um, Personally, I, I don't know if there was any any reason why it couldn't be like maybe just named like a character guide two, <laughs> but um, but we're we're going with the supplemental and trying to yes always help make make it more clear what it actually is, and the, it 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 has a lot of obscure things and from just all over the world, from officially published Masters of the Universe and Shira, Prince of Power, and New Adventures materials. So, uh, Daniel already mentioned quite a lot of them, so go check that episode out, or follow her on Facebook and whatnot, because she's always willing to <laughs> give yeah. more information to people and and boy, she can talk. I mean, your, your epi episode with her like hours and hours. I will not try and compete with that, even though I mentioned it to her that I can maybe go beyond that. But now I'm getting <laughs> and, and, and now scared. He's, now he's trying to. Now he's trying to pad it. Actually, if you recall, Yuka. You still hold the record for longest episode. I mean, we, we talked for quite a bit with Danielle last week with the Power Tour, but your first mm. episode, that was our longest episode, so. Well, it had, like, dead air there and other things that could have been edited out, but. You know, you know what? This, this, is, this is not the first time Yuka ha has told me about this. So I, I'm, I think I'm finally going to go through with it. I've. I told Sean before I, I've resisted the urge to edit past episodes um, because especially those early like five I 
been tempted to go back and like try and tweak them, but I would spend a lot of time, and I think it's good to see the growth we made since the beginning. But I think I am. I'm going to go back through your original episode, and I think I am going to recut it because I still, I say at the most, we're talking eight minutes that would come out of that episode. So I, I'm, I'm going to do it. We're going to see the difference between the uncut Yuka episode and the cut Yuka episode. <laughs> the director's cut. No more yes. r- robot with the birthday cake. <laughs> I know, I can't believe that they're taking that out of... Well, that was, what, the second Rocky or the third? I can't remember now. The fourth. The fourth. I was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yes, be- the bundle thing, it's... it's uh, go, go buy it. It's um, mm-hmm, a mandatory speech that, yes, the team will get paid in light of everything... That it is why the toy guide is sold at the like, what's the word like full price? Yeah. Instead of the one that obviously you can get on Amazon or some other bookstore or chain, whatever you have in your own area or even country. Um, but yes, this this will support the people writing themes on both books and um it's um i think the shipping inside united states it's i've heard people mention like 10 ish dollars yep right around there it probably depends where what state you live in and uh yeah unfortunately the whole international shipping is is the Killing point for many fans. Can't can't really deny that, and it 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 just sucks. Um, there are fans banding together in Germany at least, and I'm not sure if some Australians were thinking yeah, I, about it, but I heard about some Australians too. Mm, but um, at least there's like Planet Eternia uh, site. They are having their own sale and they are helping out all the fans and having their pre-orders from what I heard. And, well, Sebastian Vogel from planeteternia.de, again, worked on this book just like the previous character guide. So it's very fitting, though hopefully nobody goes to... (laughs) accuse him of getting like all the extra money that they are somehow <laughs> making off the book because that's uh, that's not how these things work yeah well They're... no knowing those guys are not making any money probably i mean when people really stop and look at shipping and everything else usually any profit that they think somebody's making is eaten up between shipping and then you got to look at customs uh, fees, especially when you get into uh, these pooled together orders. I can only imagine what the fees are going to be on something like that. So, but yeah, that's good to hear that everyone's joining together because I know that is a problem with the internationals. Obviously is always a problem. It's fans helping other fans. Um, That is one of the things I really like 
with the whole community. I mean, been here since like 1998, so it's a while and seen it grow and evolve during this time and and now hopefully we'll be getting more new fans with all the toys in the shops coming next year and two cartoons and board games and so pimping for the Eternity Effect files already (laughs) anyone who hasn't checked those out there will be more coming soon yes I think I was promised one like last week or the week before that I haven't seen yet, but we'll let it slide this time. Um, now, and you also mentioned board games. Now, can you talk about a a certain country exclusive board game that's coming out, or is it too soon to talk about Fields of Eternia? Well, mostly the information that has been already. Uh, brought up online by the people from I'm not actually sure how how the name is pronounced Ar- Archon Studios Archon Studios yeah. <laughs> and so have, haven't heard anyone say it out loud uh, but yeah they have a board game coming up and it is not the same one that is made in the Kaman people and it is not the same as the fandom RPG so it's it's like two two (laughs) boards yes so like two two board games and uh, one RPG um not sure if the RPG has any restrictions on their license, but with the Fields of Eternia, it is um, for Europe. They have the license only for that. and um, So if anyone wants to get that, they'll need to find a second-hand seller or just maybe another fan in Europe to help not it. So um, <laughs> now, maybe, maybe guys, maybe all us U.S. Uh, guys can order the PowerCon bundle, and then we can swap PowerCon bundles for Fields of Eternia board games. Just throwing that out there, you know. Just nice little international trade here. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way with you. At this point, I can tell. <laughs> oh, I, I will get my hands on it one way or another. I will find a way. Mm-hmm. I, I am a big we'll, fan. Of we'll we'll see when the when the time comes closer. I'm, uh, there's the they already have um, orders on a, a mini, miniature like He-Man on Battle Cat. That is something where I've um, hooked up a couple fans already, and uh, they start shipping in September, I think. 16 oh, wow. or something so i didn't realize it was that they, close yeah it was uh it's mentioned in in the website and they um they have only like limited amount that 2000 pieces will right. be made not sure what the sales uh are on that at the moment but they're 
they've mentioned that hopefully they'll bring more of those, maybe Skeletor on Panthor. And um, yeah, the the game itself, um, been very fortunate to help with that, mostly thanks to Ken Coleman, who was very kind to introduce me to the people. And um, it's uh, the story, or canon, if you will, is uh, currently based on the classics version. So they've um, had um, some help uh, on the (laughs) classics uh, lore, written uh, some documents for them, and um, it's an ongoing process with the weekly bios coming in and always needing to <laughs> add information from there. But um, it's um, been quite the journey, and um, we'll see how it all goes. The I'm, I'm sadly not much of a board game player, so I can <laughs> recite the information I've seen online, but if you ask me what it means, I'll be like, <laughs> but um, that's that's what I was about to ask. I was about to ask if you've played the game at all, or if you've seen any gameplay or anything, you know, anything more, you know, as to how it's actually going to function. Uh, but yeah, if you don't play board games, maybe not. Yeah, but it's a like a uh, faction based. Um, so you have the basic like heroic warriors that have like He-Man and all the good guys, including She-Ra, and then there's like evil warriors with Skeletor Evelyn and those guys, and um, they'll have add-ons on, on the evil horde and the snakemen. So there's at least nice. the four factions. And um, I can actually check what the... Uh, they have a couple Q&As going on online, and they have a couple employees who have been very open on answering many of the questions that fans have. I think it's a... You can have special dice and maybe a grayskull tower that'll also affect the dice. Three characters and some added ones later on. Uh, Currently they have about 30 character character models. Um, Could be more. It'll have to see. At the end of this year they'll have the Kickstarter and we'll see what the tiers will be there. Some of those are still up in the air, and uh, you get to play also in some time travel shenanigans with Preternia. And uh, like let's see. <laughs> the basic size is like 32 millimeters on the um, figures, which I think is standard-ish. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) 
Sounds about right. So yeah, so it sounds like a miniature based uh, tabletop kind of like like a risk type. Uh, you know, it does sound like it's going into more into the RPG kind of side of it, but not a full on RPG where you create your own character from the sounds of it. So definitely sounds yeah. like a unique experience, and, and I love my board games. I know I'm I'm the minority here, but. I played them for years, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one as well as the, the uh, Legends of Grayskull RPG. And uh, Come On really needs to get off its butt and release something because everyone they were the first ones to announce, and they've shown utterly nothing to this point. So it'd be nice to see what they've got up their sleeve too. Yeah, they'll have their Kickstarter next year, I think. So yeah. 2021 will be very interesting in many different ways, but um, yeah, the the fields of Eternia at least it's um, well the description is is like an adventure game with area control elements. Uh, they'll have two combat systems: quick, uh, based on dice, and epic. That'll be a mini game, and anyone who's already a board game enthusiast might be visiting boardgamegeek.com and the Fields of Eternia have a uh, their like listed page there. So I think you can see updates there as well. Good to know. And I'll link and, all this down below for those of you following along at home. So check, check the link. Yeah. And at least on the some art side is from Dave Wilkins, who has done many, many wonderful uh, cover images for official Masters of the Universe DC comics back in the day. And he has like very awesome PowerCon prints that had had like the battle armor He-Man and the heroic warriors and then matching Skeletor one. I mean, I've seen those. And they are awesome. I need to get copies at some point. Yep, yep. And now, that's the interesting thing, because when it first got announced, the Fields of Eternia, um, it looked like he used... Well, it, it looks like he did use the uh, cover image from the final issue of that Amnesia miniseries from DC... But then the more I looked at it, it looks like he reworked some stuff on top of it. Like He-Man's armor looks a bit more traditional and stuff like that. Am I am I correct on there? Do either of you know he he that he tweaked a few things from that original uh drawing? It is as per Mattel's requirements. Mm-hmm. He had um if I recall done one uh, more vintage-based version as a PowerCon print oh, okay. years ago. and um, But I, I think the art for the board game cover uh, on the covers might be even, even more tweaked. But um, we'll have to see when, when we get more official images. Yeah. Uh, hopefully... They might at least show the He-Man and Battlecat uh, miniature in September, like proper and not the just preview. Mm-hmm. 
that they had on the website. So that should be interesting. Well, we are covering a very, very awesome filmation episode. I had it as a uh, VHS with three other episodes as a kid. Still have have it there on my shelf. And one of the things I always was curious about the subtitles that we had, because this uh, release wasn't dubbed, uh, it had just the original audio and Finnish subtitles. Uh, they didn't probably ha- have the actual script or any notes. So when they had to uh, translate the or write down the, uh, is it the like transcribe the name of the sorcerer's predecessor, the Finnish version became like uh, Kodak, like the <laughs> film, yeah. and uh, and last name became like Angora. Because in in Finnish ear, that's how it how it sounded. Sure, sure. Back in the day, and for years, I thought that's how it how it's spelled. But <laughs> ter- turns out it is not. Now, just just out of curiosity, did you grow up um, knowing Finnish and English, or what, did you learn English later in life? I grew up in front of the TV and with a whole bunch of English-speaking series and movies and even cartoons, Um, especially with He-Man being one one of those. I just wanted to learn the language that He-Man spoke. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've used that quote on the Roger Sweet book, so anyone who has a copy... They are <laughs> worthwhile nowadays. I do have a copy of that, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's um, yeah. I we had a option when we went to school that uh, already on the third class that grade we could we we started like around six seven years old first grade, so. By nine, ten-ish, we had the option in our specific school to uh, start learning English. And um, I took it because I was very into it. I mostly picked up uh, by ear, and um, it has carried me quite far. But I'm always... For me, it's, it's a visual thing. I... Most of the cases, I like to see the actual word that I'm learning for the first time, so I can see how it's written um, or spelled, so I can later use it. Because I mean, it's in in Finnish the the way the phonetics work. It's just you you say. Uh, you you pronounce things the way they are written. There's like not not wiggle room to have any like fancy yeah. ways. So, yeah. and then I always have to wonder how Americans <laughs> get by when they 
don't know how the words are sometimes spelled. They just well, go by ear on, on their respective ends. And, and that's part it, of the uh, problem with English is that there's so many words out there that defy our own rules for how English works. So, yeah, we we get used to it after a while. Words not looking or not sounding like they look and all that. I before E, except yeah. when not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's have a kid, kid's book with T for pterodactyl. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, now, ju- uh, just out of curiosity, was it the norm for the English cartoons to have subtitles or the norm for it to be dubbed or kind of just 50 50? Like, was all of He Man just subtitles or did you have some He Man that was and some that wasn't? The VHS tapes that we had, uh, most of them were just the original audio with subtitles, and uh, there are nine episodes that were dubbed by this uh, sort of small studio back in the day who were still very prolific in many Finnish cartoons that whatever was coming out on VHS then might uh, get it and do the dub on it. So most mostly it's the English one, and when He-Man aired on TV, it was like every Monday here. Uh, that was with the original audio and just subtitles. So it that also was the more um, affecting part of it. With uh, 2002, when that got on TV, that was fully dubbed by that point. Uh, most of the cases, uh, it, it depended on where the source material might come. Um, there there are also some cartoon series that we first got, like James Bond Jr. Mm-hmm. It aired on TV and... It was original English with subtitles. Then, I'm not sure if they aired like a couple seasons of it and had like reruns. Uh, We didn't always get like all the seasons of every show, depending if they went really long. Like, I'm not sure if uh, Finland got like even the Turtles all the way. I mean, I have episodes from season four on tape but like i've i've never seen like red sky episodes here because the times change and they like shift to other properties that are coming and like by the time pokemon and whatever were very influential but going back on the james bond jr that had like maybe a couple of year gap that it wasn't on TV. Then suddenly it came back and this time it was dubbed. And I, I was like shocked because I, I still remember that. Wait a minute. It, it, it was in English. Like, why are you doing it again and dubbing right. it? Like, and it's there, it's a no rhyme or reason. It's like, why would you put money into this? It's, could be that some new James Bond movie was coming out, so someone thought that it might be worth it. But um, I don't recall the years anymore. 
when right. it was coming up, but during the 90s, that happened. Yeah. But He-Man yeah. mostly was in English. Yeah, especially you hear the stories, you know, UK, even the UK didn't, like, finish all of She-Ra, you know, um, and it sounds like it was the same there, where you only had one episode a week compared to over here in the States, we got five episodes a week, so... That definitely that definitely messes up your the viewing schedule and makes it take a lot longer. And in my case, it it worked well because I'm still <clears throat> in like eighty eight at least. I <laughs> could have have him an episode, so it's like yeah. it wasn't ended by then. And even though some toys did come out when the it all first started, as I've heard. Right. So, but um, yeah, one of those that, right time at the right at right place <laughs> situations. Yeah, I was say, whereas for me, by the time I got to eighty nine ninety, I couldn't find He Man anywhere, you know, over here. So, uh, and so let's uh, let's jump into our episode here. So, as as Yuka alluded to, this is Origin of the Sorceress. This uh, it was written by J. Michael Straczynski. It was directed by Marsh Lamore. The script was approved July 31st of 1984, and the final script revision was August 15th of 1984. The U.S. air date was September 23rd of 1985, uh, and the U.K. air date was April 14th of 1986. Um, And a couple quick notes here. September 23rd, 1985. That was also the day here in the U.S. when the first episode of She-Ra, Princess of Power, premiered. Uh, so it was Origin of the Sorceress, and then Into Etheria aired right after it. Um, Sean, do you remember seeing this when it was first aired? Uh, there we go. Off mute. Yeah, I remember <laughs> seeing this one. I got a little guy with me now. Yes, He's just yes. storm the gates of... The bedroom. Um, so yeah, I remember seeing this one, and I was very impressed about the fact that they were giving us a history to the sorceress. Um, uh, up until that point, I always felt like she was this character that was just there, you know, like she was she was kind of the mystical guide throughout the whole series, and now. Wow, she had a family. She had a village and all this stuff. And it was it was really cool to see that just like um the Tila episodes in particular ran kind of the same way for me, where it was giving you some depth to a character that sometimes was just, you know, here's a supporting character. Right. And now it's like, no, here's here's some meat to the bone of this character, which is really cool. Absolutely. This is one I I would not see this until I got the well, until I got my bootleg VHSs, um, never saw mm-hmm. it on on air, obviously. And it it's funny because the trivia in in the uh, He Man and Shira guide here it does say that when it was released on video in the U.S., uh, roughly two minutes from the beginning of the flashback sequence were missing. Uh, and I rented the videos, but the, whatever videotape this was was on never came to my local store. I I never saw it until until my bootlegs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, it was nice. It was nice to see them dive into a little bit of history and everything else. And obviously, as we're going to see here in in a few minutes when we start it, 
it does show the sword of protection in here. Um, now, uh, you guys, if you watch it as kids, did you did you pick up on that? Was that was that a big thing? Did you? I guess especially Sean, because I don't know how it aired over there, uh, Yuka, but. Uh, did you recognize the significance of, of the sword scene followed by the first episode of She-Ra? Or did you even watch the first episode of She-Ra? Oh, I, I, uh, I went to the theater to go see it. Um, when I, uh, Secret of the Sword, and I also remember it was airing throughout the week. Um, and that shocked me when I was a kid, because I, I thought it would just get right into here's She-Ra instead of replaying the whole movie each day, you know? But, uh, I don't know. I didn't catch that when I saw the episode originally. Um, I just wasn't that observant about it, I guess. But um, no, I didn't didn't hit on the radar at that point. But you're also talking about a five to six year old me right. who right. I was probably playing with my toys while I'm watching the show at the same time. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me. <laughs> and, and if you'd already seen the movie in the theaters at that point anyways, you know. That that would have lessened the impact, I'm sure, because it wouldn't be, as opposed to someone who didn't see the movie and is just watching the the cartoon, that might be the mm. first time that they've really paid attention to it. Um, yeah, it's possible. Now, what about you, Yuka? Because that kind of, I mean, over in uh, Finland, how how was the transition from He Man to Shira? Was that was it a thing, or was it just kind of they were both there? The Shira actually never came in in she she wasn't like at the same time that as far as i can tell the toys never surfaced here and um there's a funny little story in my case is that i had the tape with uh, origin of the sorceress and i had seen that yes there's a, another sword which was a very intriguing and I had an episode, uh, thanks to my dad, who had like this cable um, channel. Uh, it was actually from the UK, Sky Channel. And I, I have uh, on rec- old tape a uh, partial Shira episode. There was no intro. It just sort of began... Um, at the start of the episode, after like two, three minutes, this particular episode was the a loss for words. Okay, good. Really, really terrific episode. But it does not have He-Man as a guest uh, character. And uh, because I did not see any intro... In this case, I just saw that, oh, it's a female character and this looks very filmation-y. I'm I'm like maybe six years old at this point. And I I had no other episodes with her. And and like I see that there's a quick flash of the uh, Grayskull when she transforms. And yeah, I can see that the sword like... Is, is the same from the other episode, but I, I still, as a 
kid, I I was like wondering like what what is the actual connection here? And I mean, I I had other episodes from filmations like uh, the real Ghostbusters, so I didn't really even think too much of it because I it just had the filmation aesthetics. And um, so later uh, at a yard sale like in 1991 or 1992 was when I first uh, found volume one and volume two of She-Ra that had on the cover picture of her and He-Man and it really just mentioned that that He-Man's legacy continues here is She-Ra Princess of Power and they were in English uh, with Finnish Subtitles and the subtitles were just horrible. Like Hordak is <laughs> spelled like um, with a C at the end, not with a K. And uh, even even there, it, it's like just some random episodes. Uh, there was the Day of the Flowers, so a He-Man um, crossover episode, and then like the origin uh, for a small one. I am blanking her name. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) So, just the episodes here from there on on the Shira seasons. No, like, actual origin episodes that would tell more so i was just looking at the introduction that told everything i needed to know so she's he-man's twin sister and here we go here are three others who share the secret and all that so but uh, that there was like a like a whole new experience just stumbling onto these shira vhs tapes and um, i think in finland they had maybe like six, I believe, and it's like always just two episodes per uh, yeah. video. But um, they they've been very hard to find. There's a couple Finnish fans who have all of them, but like mostly you can see like if like people sell from their old collections, you get like the one, two, and maybe four. And that's it. It's like five and six are very hard to come by. But it's, um, yeah, they, they, there's sort of random episodes from season one and season two. And um, so, yeah, the whole origin of the Sorceress uh, episode, it, it helped bridge the gap. And never until I got online with other fans... Uh, did I realize how big of a deal it was that it is the only episode in the entire, like, 130 episodes of He-Man that makes any reference to She-Ra or the Evil Horde. And all all hail J. Michael Straczynski. He knew what he was doing, and from what I can understand, um, these were the later... Episodes made in 84, but it was deliberately postponed that the airing came in 85. So yeah, there were by seven, that point, they... Seven they, episodes. Yeah. 
So they were making it easier on the kids with continuity. So must have been awesome to be an American kid. Well, Sean's the only one who would know. I was still too young at this point, like I, like I've said before. All this happened before I could even possibly watch it. So it's it, just because of the way the years lined up. I'm actually with you, Yuka, where I I discovered a lot of this as a teenager and everything once the internet hit. So uh, let's go ahead and jump on over now. Yeah. All right, everybody. You know the drill here. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can watch right over there. We're going to play it right on the screen for you. If you're listening along at home, go ahead and pop in those DVDs. Look it up on YouTube. Um, one of the streaming services has it now, I'm told. I don't remember which one. <clears throat> so uh, I'll get the countdown. Three, two, one, and away we'll go. Three, two, one. It is always impressive that this never gets old to me. <laughs> Although, Deucen pointed out something that I can't unsee now. Um, mm-hmm. When when He-Man's about to punch the screen, there is a little bit of, of paint missing right below his armpit. And so you can see the red background where it should actually be like his chest. Oh. And I can't, I can't unsee it now. I pointed that out a couple days ago, and I went and looked right away, and now I just saw it again. There, it's one of those things. One, I'm sorry, guys, I ruined it for all of you. If you go, if you go, actually pay attention because it's one of those things. Once you, once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Well, it, it, Jeremy Dewitt ruined the uh, classics harness for me because he pointed out that the squares going up the top of the harness are uneven, they're asymmetrical. And if you look at the harness, one will be in one place, the other will be in another place, and, I, and now I can't unsee that either, and I blame him every time. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to pay attention to that now. And, that, that's, and the first time we get to see the, cart, or the toy Stridor, as opposed to the silver robots that horses that we'd seen previously. No hmm. so sounds any weapons on Strider per se. Yeah. So. 
good. I already pull out the sword. These were the good <laughs> Get him into Hema if possible. It's one of those great scenes that you have everyone do their own part. Yeah. And Orko is, is no jokey character. He does his thing and manages to, well, not injure himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when still I watched... make his little quip. It's great. Well, uh, when I watched it earlier today, it, it had this, like, Avengers quality to this scene. And I really like that about it where, you know, all of them in tandem could make the threat go away or they could, you know, stop whatever was happening. And it made all of them really valid and cool in that way to me. Yeah, just a great opening, too. You just had this ring of fire that just starts shooting rocks at our heroes. I mean, you have no idea what's going on. But, but you're, you're hooked it's only right Tuesday from the on Eternia. <laughs> It's Tuesday. Ring of fire. So had it had it been as in the actual script, then we would have gotten the um, sorceress scene, and that would have sort of established a couple things in a very peasery way before the events in the royal palace. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mortal giants are the worst. I, I I love this shot though. It's so it's so um, know, walking whole, on top whole... of mountain tops. Yeah, the walking on top of mountain tops. The giant twisters to zap him to the other dimension. Um, you really get the feel that it, it's almost like a titan from the Greek myths. You know that really. I mean, you really fear for the people of Eternia looking at this guy. Yeah. And J. Michael Straczynski showing what a great writer he actually takes into consideration that yes, we need a reason how sources can use her human form outside of Castle Grayskull. Even yeah. though the the other writers would sort of play fast and lose with the rule, here we do get an actual um, reasoning and um Again, in the script, she did have a couple extra lines where she mentions that it, the crystal is only like for day and night, uh, that she can use it time-wise and, and only in like very dire emergencies. So, yeah, yeah, I like I like putting the limitations on it because again, here that's a problem I have a lot of times is when they create the. They create these ways around certain restrictions and just like, well, why don't we do that every time then? You know? Uh, I love seeing the Colossor uh, ruins again. I know they're not supposed to be them, but it's it's such a great background. Well, it's it's, it's one of those. It, it's the... It was, it was meant to be like a very desolate place and, and yeah. like... Uh, it would have had like night crawler character, like these uh, animals that would also attack them while 
she was telling He-Man the story. And there's some... Having had the <laughs> script reading, it's it's like, I mean, Morgoth uh, requesting the invaders. Um, it was described that he sent out the call out into space. Well, yeah. here it looks like these guys are already just on Eternia <laughs> flying about. Right. <clears throat> but there, this is this is one of those episodes you. Even though some scenes were cut from the script, every minute really counts here. Like, oh, yeah. This uh, <clears throat> is is such a fantastic one. And uh, this uh, male character was uh, meant to be a bit more cowardly type and like just other villagers who help Tilana. I like that. Now we need a prequel series with this old man. <laughs> yeah, right. And Tilana, she, uh, you know, they really could have gone. They could have gone cheap, and they could have just made like just used a Tila repaint. Um, but they they made her similar, obviously her mother, but still very much her own character, and that's that's just a testament to filmation. And they took their job seriously. You know, it's it's a great character design, and one of those that. What color does the sorceress have the hair? Like it's red. That's how Tila has the red hair. And I'll have none of those Fisto talks. Like, oh, here's a Fisto no. toy. That that's why she has the red hair. No, no, it's no. from the mother. <laughs> we have <laughs> all the info right here. Fisto is not the mother, and ne- or Fisto is not the father. It <laughs> never, it never happened. I don't care who said what in an interview after a series ended. <laughs> oh. And this, this is also neat seeing the horde soldiers that uh, you know before they decide that they're gonna that the the horde troopers, the robots, you know, uh, actually seeing some personality to them was nice too. Well, these are scouts, so. Yeah, it's it's kind of like how some of the generals might be humans right. instead of the just robots. Again, here uh, in the script, it was mentioned that she walks inside uh, Gray Skull, and the door closes, and that's how it would like end Act One. Yeah, and she she was like, "There's there's voiceover like where she mentions that she." walks in and didn't know if she would ever come out and all these little things but it's a it's a just yeah and I like uh, that we have have it here <laughs> and that that was probably the weirdest part of the episode is Grayskull appearing in the desert you know and I think that's it's probably about my only nitpick about this episode is the I don't like the wandering Grayskull idea where it can kind of appear around the planet, it seemed. It's, um, I'm not sure if that is like a sort of a plot hole for anyone (laughs) keeping that Grayskull is in the 
evergreen forest then surrounded by all the jungle and such but here it's a different location and uh the character of uh Kodak Ungle, uh, even though the script said that she was a female, the original character design had her, her illustrated as an old man. So a little bit of a mix-up there. Yeah. We need to get Dushan to show it. Right? Yeah, I'm sure either him or James have it. And there it is, the Swords of Power. And same thing with Kodak Ungle. It's like they really took the time to make her in the vein of the sorceress, but her own sorceress, you know, rather than just slapping a few wrinkles on the sorceress design. And and there's a continuity in, in the sense that she mentions um, having um, already kind of keeping an eye on Tilana. And in the Battle Cat episode, we see how the modern-day sorceress keeps an eye on young Adam. So they are always looking out for the characters who matter for the upcoming fights for good versus evil. Yep. Because the sorceress is a very motherly character you know she's always watching over even when she's you know not directly involved so i love that scene when she's gotta just transform from zor And same thing, guys. Sorry for the silence here, but it's just such a great episode. I think we're all we're all mesmerized here. Well, just watching this scene earlier, the thing I like about it quite a lot is, you know, you're getting these characters out of their element, and you're getting to see the heroism that they can have even without having He-Man around. Right. Because as a kid, you know, the 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 tendency is let's get He-Man into the scene. That's where the action comes from. Um, especially, you know, five, six years of watching this series. But then, you know, like seeing the sorceress showing up and actually doing her part to try and, you know, help her village and help the people. It's like, you know, I, I really like that they're imbuing her of all people because she hasn't really had a huge amount of screen time to do that on the show. It's mostly, like I said, she's the spirit guide for He-Man usually. Yeah, and, she does. Doesn't get the action, doesn't get the fights, uh, none of that. And, so. and, and I'd say there, there's a better than not chance she might be the, the you know, damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. And He-Man's on the on the run to go to Grayskull to, to protect Grayskull and her because of yep. something. And here it's like, no, she's taking care of business. And it's really fun to see her taking charge in that way. So. 
great. As a kid, I always thought in in here when she is still in the human form that Kodak Uncle might be at the castle, which would allow her to use the human form. And when it mentions that she returns and never saw her again, I, I feel even as a kid, I was like, okay, so next time you wanted to go out, you discovered that, oh, oh, I can't, not in yeah. human form. Yeah. The salesperson lady didn't give all the info. <laughs> exactly. Well, another thing too, we're going back to the a little earlier, um, the whole sequence of when she's looking for help, mm-hmm. when Tiana is looking for help, and there's something just crazy about the idea that here's this skull castle, and that's giving her yeah. hope. You know, it's like that's where she feels the help can be drawn from. It's like that's just so counterintuitive that I love it. You know, it. Shows how desperate they are. Yeah. Well, and she's willing to give up her whole life to to help, you know. Yeah. She tells her, you know, you'll you leave your family behind, you'll leave your friends behind, you you know. If you yep. want to beat these people, you've got to give it all up. And she, even at her young age, she's, she's already the sorceress we know and love, and the fact that she knows, you know, it's worth it to make those sacrifices. You know, yeah, and I love that this is just classic fantasy here. He's got that 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 gem that's anchoring him here, and he puts the force field around it. And also, the actual location was described, at least in script, that it's uh, Morgoth's old grounds in a way. So that's why he's. Like drawing power from that location as well to get through. And um, even even if you consider that um, this uh, might be a ad for the new toy horse. It, it still manages to actually do it in in very subtle way that he is a part of the episode. We do see character in this robot horse and even some growth. Yeah. So if you had the toy, you could actually really anchor, anchor uh, any plays that you had into this episode mm-hmm. and one of the defining things that if you hurt animals or he-man's friends like in the <laughs> MYP lessons episode <laughs> you you get yeah. he-man's wrath like he doesn't care he's getting like lightning struck to him he's like I'm gonna take care of this now Right. Well, I even like he gets hit with that lightning strike, and it doesn't even phase him because he's so pissed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting rid of you before I'm even reacting to what you just did to me. <laughs> and his resolve here that he'll carry Strider even to the yeah. other side of the planet if he need be. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's one of those moments for He-Man with me where it's like, yeah, it, it, it's it's such it, it's a very Herculean feat, but it's just yeah. you know the the loyalty there because he helped him and he helped Attorney in that moment. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's he's stuff. his comrade. It doesn't matter if he's man or machine. He fought mm-hmm. heroically. He helped save the day, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure he's all right. You know, mm-hmm. no man left behind. Yeah. And we find he's gained sentience as well. Longs to be free. He's paying attention to Sorceress's story and He wants to experience that freedom. If we ever need him again, yeah, I would have liked seeing him (laughs) actually make a (laughs) return. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and they, I mean, they designed him up, they used him here, and then we never see him again. Uh, They actually even had the the color swap for... Uh, Night Stalker, ready for use, and Filmation never actually used him. The ending here is just fantastic. Oh, yes. Great writing, great animation. All over. And again, all the all the layers upon layers of these these epic filmation episodes where it's you know you've got you've got the freedom stuff with Stridor, you've got helping your fellow man. All of that stuff is just woven in seamlessly. It's a just one of those wonderful episodes, and obviously, it's a part of the when BCI released the DVDs back in two thousand five. It got voted to the top ten episodes. I, I think very easily from the list that was there. Um, everyone always talks about how Problem with Power is is like the best episode, but I feel Origin of the Sorceress is, is very closely like in top three, maybe. It's it's um, character study of like having revealed parts of a familiar motherly figure that has been throughout many many episodes at that point and even pulls the double duty of like introducing a new beast uh, but it's still very seamless and not like uh, well a couple, couple of uh, scenes it's like well striders there in the background but 
it's a robot horse, so it 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 fits better than if it would be like Moss Man just standing there or yeah. whatever. But it's it's um how do you make a robot horse interesting? Well, you pair it up with a very pivotal character and they both have stories that revolve and sort of in like interconnected with uh fighting for freedom fighting for your own place in the world and season 2 overall uh started dabbling on character origins, you'd get like the Sorcerer's One, Battle Cat One, and I think a couple others as well. It's it's like all, all these things, well, sort of like with the Abyss and He-Man's power, that all the things you were wondering during Season 1 in Season 2, they do respond to that, the writer's probably also wanted to go into it themselves that hey what is actually the backstory here and um, sadly it sometimes is overlooked with the the 2002 reboot because people always go about the, hey it it's the one that gave us all these origins yeah it, it gave couple and it gave them usually with the first time we are introduced to the character but it's uh, still effective to have these flashback episodes to a well-known character and really learn where they come from and in the case of the sorceress well we already know she has had a lot of loss with the evil horde and Tila and even Adora in retrospect. So the words from Kodak Uncle do reverberate there on great sadness and great joy more than she would ever really even imagine, I think. So there's a a lot to the character that already was pretty awesome. And this is just one of those best episodes that everyone should see if they ever check out the series. And so I I, I probably don't even have to ask, but your rating on a scale from 1 to 10 would be... Eleven. There you go. <laughs> I was wrong. I would have said ten. So, <laughs> John, take it away. What are your final thoughts on the episode? Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Um, I I love the richness, the history that you see in the episode. Uh, I love highlighting Sorceress because I feel like she's she's an essential character, but she's an unsung character a lot of the time. So focusing on her in this in particular. Getting to see her origins, I think, is really interesting. Um, and, and yeah, I love that Stridor showed up because out of all of the beasts and vehicles 
Stridor was the mixture of both that interested me as a kid to have the toy. And I think I had the toy before I had uh, before I saw this, if I remember right. So it made me even more excited for the episode to go, hey, Stridor's on too. That's cool. And uh, the only thing that I'd have to say is I kind of wish that Fisto was involved with the with Stridor in one way, <laughs> shape, or form because of his link to him in all the promotional work and the many comics. But uh, it doesn't take anything away from the episode. It makes me wish Stridor came back, like you guys were saying. And oh, Fisto yeah. was with him because he went off into the wilderness. Fisto's out there with him, and they meet, and they become friends, and they're fighting for the good fight out in the forest. But getting back to the episode, yeah, it's from beginning to end, I really, really enjoy the amount of character they put into this. The sorceress is, is true. I always thought she was a good character before this, but this over the top, yeah. She's she's one of my favorite filmation characters. So, yeah, no, I I completely agree. It's uh, it's the origin episode I never knew I wanted, but <laughs> once you see it, it is amazing. Like I said, like you said, you just always as a, especially as a kid, even even growing up to when I first saw this, the sorceress was just one of those characters that's there, and she's obviously very essential. She's very wise. But you just get this feeling like she's always been there. Like, she's always been in Grayskull. She's, that's just her role. And to actually go back and see, no, she hasn't always been. She had a life. She gave it up. Um, if anything, if anything, it makes me now want to see, in that light, going, especially here in Formulation, like, okay, so how did Tila come about? Like, what happened? Because she had her life. She gave it up to get rid of these horde invaders and, and to get rid of Morgoth and became the sorceress. And then, and then, so, but then, and then she became the sorceress of Grayskull. And you're sitting there going, like, I want, now I want to see the story of, of what happened there. Did she try and go out and live a life again and try and get some of that back, only to be drawn back to the castle or? Uh, it just it really opens her up as a character and fleshes her out to where you're you're going okay. She's given up even more than we've ever seen, uh, and I'm I'm I do have the minor nitpick uh, about the the castle appearing outside of the evergreen forest, which I still don't like. Uh, for me, this is this is so close to perfection. So I'm going to go like like a 9.9 because it, it is right there, uh, just a couple tweaks, and I think it's perfection. Uh, but it is definitely one of the top ten episodes of the series. And the older I get, the more I enjoy it. And it, if you guys have not checked this out, or if you haven't checked this out at all, uh, I'm going to question your fandom. And uh, if you haven't checked out in a while, guys, go watch this. The The writing's on point. The animation's on point. Uh, it is it is a wonderful episode. A highlight of the series. It's, uh, it's one of those where you should watch it instead of going to the character guide book to read about a character's origin or even some Wikipedia that might have heinous errors on some characters. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
But this is one to enjoy, immerse yourself in for the whole runtime, because the the dialogue is is well acted, and they have, especially the ending is they they have music and everything just as as it should be, and it's a in a way good choice that. They don't bring Orko back for the final scenes. It it might have had a verse effect there. Yeah, I agree. But it's this is it's not, like Man at Arms and He Man. Humor note. Yeah, and it's a it's it's just a really great episode and. My also, my nitpick might be the Colossal Awakes background. <laughs> it's it's yeah. too iconic, and it has the statue with the stone there, even so. Yeah. But but at the same time, it's it's like this this happened. Colossal is not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now that might have been, that might have been better if they had actually put Colossor there, like like it could be the same place, you know. Embrace it, put Colossor back there since it's in the past, and make it before he gets awakened by Skeletor. You know that that could work, but yeah, those, those it, it, it's it's one of those that if if someone if they had like had more, not sure time or something to. Go go really into it. I mean, it's it's hard to say. Were they thinking of some of these things? Because uh, had had it been, uh, it could be like a whole like using the same um, background art. Okay, that's sort of okay. Maybe leave out the uh, actual chair in the panning shot, yeah. and then all the close-ups that we have of Sorceress and He-Man, it could be that the chair is there, and we would see maybe the feet of Colossor. Yeah. And, like, injecting it chronologically before the events of Colossor Wakes episode, and not revealing what it actually is, and had had it be, like, uh, fully painted version, not like animation cell, right. then it would just blend in with the background and you would get more out of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, these, these are sort of those things that <laughs> you, you could <laughs> ponder so many different times. I think recently was curious to uh, James is doing those filmation facts on uh, Facebook and um, I think, yeah, uh, Rob McCallum, who was part of the excellent um, Power of Grayskull definitive He Man documentary, um, mentioned like that he never really thought about the uh, evil horde uh, playset, the monster as a dragon. That yeah is like make, makes a appearance in the Christmas special and um he was like um, he figured as a kid uh, that it, it's maybe a worm 
because yeah, you never really saw much of it. Um, and he even mentioned like uh, that he figured that maybe the slime that Hordak uses for slime pit could be like collected from the worm. Yeah, and I, I just the, these yeah. sorts of like ideas <laughs> is is like really just awesome, and I hope fans never give up on thinking those. Yeah, no, that, that's that's how me and Sean are constantly bouncing stuff off each other. Like, what about this? Could this be this? Could that be that? And mm-hmm. it's, it's a great thing about masters. Everything works. There's so much room for interpretation, and it just it fuels the imagination, even to this day. You know, yeah. that we all Part want to just sit around and celebrate and, and think up new things. Mm-hmm. And read a book or watch a cartoon or play a board game. Mm-hmm. All good things. Only <laughs> if I can find a way to import it. All right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right guys. We'll, uh, we'll find some way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have no worries. This community is amazing. I know, I know we'll be able to help each other out. Um... All right, so that wraps up our review. Uh, guys, anything else you want to talk about before we sign off here? I'm good. Please subscribe. Hit the notification bell. <laughs> <laughs> take it away. He'll, he'll do the he'll do the hand I'll movements if you want to take it away. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, guys, it's that time. Uh, follow all the links down below. Uh, I'm going to link to everything we talked about and more. Uh, head over to and subscribe from this channel. Go to my channel and subscribe there. Yeah, he, he cuts me off right before I'm about to do it. Yes, <laughs> go over, find two new I've Got the link down below. T o o n j u k k a. Search for him on YouTube. Uh, his Eternia fact files are amazing. Uh, I think you've still got some of the old uh, what was it? Scrolls of Grayskull, right? You got some of that stuff up there still and. Whole channel's amazing. Yuka puts out amazing stuff. Um, check out check out Sean's artwork. Check out the Legends of Grayskull Facebook page, which is blowing up today. Sean, I uh, it blew up by I think eight new people today, which is a big one for us. That doesn't yeah. happen too often. So I I approved, <laughs> I approved another eight people while we were setting up the recording here today. 16. So, you know, there we go. Uh, and I've actually got another one sitting here right now. My phone just went off. So thank you, everybody, for supporting us. Wow. Hopefully you're all subscribing to the YouTube channel as well. Um, and check out our Legends of Grace School Facebook page. I think what did it today, uh, Sean, help me out with the name. You put up some artwork today. I uh, There's a comic book artist, uh, Robson Roca, that... He loves to sneak in. I guess it's like his warm ups or his cool downs after he's done doing a comic page. And he will just do little sketches of Masters characters. And he started posting them like a year or two ago. And I cobbled along, like I grabbed all the ones that I could from every upload he's done up to a certain point. There might be even more that I didn't get to. And he's done like full body shots of Teela. He's done Trapjaw, Shira, King He Man. Uh, King Grayskull, He-Man, Battle Armor He-Man, Classic He-Man, Classic Skeletor. He's got a ton. And Beast-Man. I mean, his Beast-Man's amazing. Um, and he's... Hmm? Who's this King Grayskull you speak of? Oh, here we go. 
I'm, I'm going Every back to time. You can't just make up names. <laughs> um, you can put king in front of anything and make it up. Make it up. It's fine. It works. Um, but anyway, he uh, he's been doing this for a while, and I just put him out there, and then it just blew up today. But I don't know if it has anything to do with that, or if we were name dropped on podcasters, and their episode dropped just this morning or last night. I want to say. So that could be it. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm making up names. There you go. (laughs) Thank you guys for following along. Check out uh, that artwork. It's amazing. Uh, Thank you, Yuka, for once again joining us. Uh, And until next time. Until next time. Good journey. Yep, there it is. (laughs) There it is. (laughs)